Welcome, welcome, welcome. We thank you for joining us this afternoon for another, another CPR experience. CPR means conflict produces resolution. Uh, We're going to pump life into you. We're going to pump resurrection into you. We're going to pump passion and victory into you. That's my job. That's why I'm here. My name is Pastor Aaron Carr. I'm thanking you uh, for joining us this afternoon. I'm praying that you receive something that's going to strengthen you, that's going to encourage you, that's going to cause you to grow um, in your relationship with God, that's going to have you desire him on a a different level and on a deeper level. And so I'm thanking you so much for joining us. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And I appreciate your time and I appreciate um, your diligence. I'm not going to hold you long. Um, I'm going to give you a message that I believe is going to encourage you specifically during these times. And I'm praying that you receive, um, what God has given me to give to you. And so God, we thank you for this time and this moment with each other, um, wherever, um, the people of God, wherever they are right now, either in the living room, or in the car or at work or in the kitchen or whatever they're doing. God, I'm praying that you um, meet them at their place of struggle and meet them at their place of brokenness. And I'm praying that what is spoken, it encourages them, strengthens them and causes them to desire you on a deeper level than where they are. So bless them now, God bless them from the crown, of the head to the sole of their feet. I'm praying that after this message goes forth. Um, that the declaration is, Lord, I want to be with you. I, I want to receive your salvation. I want to receive your son at the Lord of my life. I'm praying that that is the desire um, after listening to this message. God, we thank you. We bless you. We glorify you. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. I'm going to read a brief scripture in John chapter 20, um, starting from verse 11 to 18. And the word of God says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples. I have seen the Lord and that he has said these things. To her. I'm going to title this message just with a question. What killed your worship? What killed your worship? Trauma is defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. 
uh, severe emotional shock and pain caused by an extremely upsetting experience. Worship in the Bible has different meanings. Uh, it's the act of bowing down to a king, um, following God's word or adhering to something. The first recorded form of worship in the Bible is in the story of Abraham attempting to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, on a mountain. And the Lord prevented him from doing that. By placing a ram in a bush and they sacrificed the ram instead. Abraham was grieved on his way to worship, carrying the elements with him to make the very same altar he was planning to sacrifice the only child him and his wife struggled and worked so hard to receive from God. Abraham dealt with the pain of possibly possibly losing something through worship. But then God provided for him. Just desiring to see the extent Abraham would go. God knew what Abraham would do, but Abraham did not know. Up until this point, there has been a long history of man receiving from God and God not receiving from man. And as a result, God blessed him to be the father physically and spiritually of many nations. Abraham is considered the father of the faith because of his obedience without having anything to base it on, but God's word. And also we believe that he is the father of the faith because of his strength to press through a traumatic circumstance. The strength it takes to go to a high place, to go to a mountain while carrying the elements with you that will bring you to a low place is something that made Abraham stand out. So I believe the elements of worship in the elements of worship, there is a label of having a capacity to deal with trauma. And since not too long ago, um, there was a weekend that is celebrated all over the world in the Christian faith, um, celebrating the birth of the church and the Holy Spirit being poured out and the disciples giving the power to speak in the tongues of the people present. It's called the day of Pentecost. We must ask ourselves a question, church. What are we speaking now? Are we speaking their language to their issues, to their struggles, to their background? Or are we speaking things they don't comprehend? The miracle on that day of Pentecost is not just our ability to speak different, different languages. The real power of this event is that when we are encountered by people from different places and walks of life, we are equipped with the power to speak their language and not the authority to force them to speak ours. When the people came to the house on the day of Pentecost, the people that came were not burdened with the task of trying to understand the disciples language. The disciples were given the task 
to speak something that the people can understand. And not in an effort to wow them. This was an effort to win them. So what needs to be spoken today? When we are witnessing police brutality and injustice left and right. And the only solution people offer while you're dealing with uh, with this major wound is to tell you to look at another wound. Telling you just to look at black on black crime. What, what needs to be spoken today? When viruses are taking lives and people are still being ignorant and acting careless and not getting the message, what needs to be spoken when our children are confused and depressed on higher levels like never before? The language of the season is keep the faith because God is coming back. And the action of this season is prepare yourself. Find yourself doing what God called you to do. Find yourself hating evil and clinging to what is good. Find yourself fighting for justice. Find yourself drawing souls to God. Find yourself not sitting idle. Find yourself repenting. Find yourself not sinning. Find yourself loving your neighbor. Find yourself not allowing your worship to be killed. And, and I, I get it. I understand that that's a challenge because the act of worship to us is based on how good we feel, how sunny the day is and how many things go our way. And what we are witnessing is the total opposite. And just like here in the text with Mary Madeline, uh, her worship has been disrupted because the source of her joy had been killed. There was a riot in the scriptures. And on one side, a man named Jesus was ridiculed. And on the other side, he was glorified. He was made a public spectacle and then murdered. Then after this, he was then placed in a tomb with a stone placed in front of it. After witnessing the pain and abuse and death of Jesus, Mary went to the tomb to tend to his body, bringing herbs and oils to slow the process of decaying. And when she gets to the tomb, Jesus is not there. So she weeps. She's broken. Everything she felt about Jesus, everything she loved about Jesus, everything she changed because of Jesus, all of her strength, all of her peace, all of her worship has done nothing but brought her to a tomb. And I know there's a few people listening right now, wherever you are, that can understand this kind of hurt and pain. All of the praise, all of the worship, all of the praying, all of the adoration, all of the worshiping, all of the healing, all of the life changing has only directed me to another tomb. And it hurts because I'm tired of the same pattern and ending. I'm tired of the same conclusion conclusion. We are witnessing that today. Tired of the same pattern of behavior and abuse, walking and being peaceful. And we still find ourselves staring at another tomb. All Jesus did was heal. That's all he did. All he did was love. All he did was encourage. All he did was change lives. Uh, all he did uh, was be peaceful. 
All he did was do what God called, to, to, called him to do, but it got him killed. And so Mary was broken because all she spiritually invested, all that she believed and hoped, all uh, that she hoped and believed in Jesus, all it did was bring her to a tomb. And she was weeping because his life mattered. He meant a lot to her. He meant everything to her. And now he's dead. And, and I can't even grieve properly for him. Because he's not here. She was so hurt that even the sight of two angels. Didn't encourage her. Because when something kills your worship, it hurts so much that it's even hard to focus on anything that's spiritual. The only thing that you are feeling is what you're feeling. Even seeing the angels, she wept. They are not what she lost. They were spiritual. They had a word. But it still hurts. She still struggled with it, still was angry. And I think it's important to understand that when someone is struggling with the trauma of a loss, we don't stick the knife deeper, trying to be so super holy that we are numb to someone else's pain. You can preach, uh, you're present, you're active, you've dealt with hurting people before. But that still does not ease the pain of my traumatic experience. And I'm thankful that the angels weren't pushy. They were consoling. And it's the season right now that that is time out for pushy praisers that don't have an empathetic bone in their body that doesn't understand that. Yes, I'm a believer, but I still bleed from time to time. It still hurts. I still get worried. I still get upset. I still get angry just because I'm a believer doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. If truth be told, that's a lot of our praise today that it hurt me, but it didn't bury me. And we have to get out of the habit of thinking that being saved makes you numb. Nope. The devil is a liar today. I'm proclaiming right now that I cry. I punch walls. I curse. I get upset. Still go to counseling. I still revisit it from time to time. I get weary. I get frustrated. The only thing God did not give us is the spirit of fear. So everything else is understandable. Your super, your salvation is a supernatural relationship and walk. But I thank God for his super but it's still attached to my natural bleeding. Doesn't make you less of a believer just because it hurts. Doesn't mean I lost hope. I'm a believer, but every now and then I need my moments to weep. I need my moments to express my anger and I don't have to tell God because he understands. I need to let you know that I don't remember scripture every time I'm struggling. I might not remember the lyrics to every gospel song. I might not be able to talk about spiritual things when I'm hurt. Sometimes I just need a moment when your worship is killed. It's hard to focus on spiritual things. The angel says, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him.
And after she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus. But she didn't know it was him. She thought it was a gardener. Because when your worship is killed, it seemingly decreases his presence in your life. She thought the person she was talking to was a gardener and not Jesus. Because in her mind, what she just seen Jesus go through would not amount to a coming back. What I witness doesn't make sense for him to be standing. It only makes sense for him to be still laying in that tomb. And so this conversation she is having, uh, she's having it because she is traumatized and hurting. And when you're traumatized and hurt, it only allows the revelation of what I am accustomed to seeing. That if someone is dead, they stay dead. But when Jesus called her name, it made her turn around and her spirit was uplifted. So spiritually and logically, she wouldn't have turned around and known it was him during this time if it wasn't for his word. Because everything was dark and traumatic. So faith could not come by seeing. Faith can only have come by hearing. And what made her turn around was what she heard and what was revealed when he called her name. And, that, and what was revealed to her was that a comeback is possible during dark and traumatic times. I wish I had someone in their car, in their kitchen, in their house that can lift up their hands. Any listener right now that can lift up your hands and thank God that, that a wounded worshiper can praise God and testify that what turned my life around was a word of life in the midst of my darkness and death that gave me hope that there is a life in the midst of all of this. There is peace in the midst of all this hell that I'm going through. There is restoration and healing in the midst of these open wounds and warfare. The expectation of this world is that dead things stay dead. But who can testify and give God praise wherever you are? And thank God that God defeated the world's expectations of you. All of the stuff they labeled you, God defeated their expectations. They labeled you dead, but you're still here. Statistics labeled me dead, but I'm still here. The cancer labeled you dead, but you're still here. The coronavirus labeled you dead, but you're still here. Being a single parent, the world labeled you finished, but you're still here and taking care of your family. Your addiction labeled you dead, but you're still here. Your depression and anxiety labeled you dead, but you're still here. People will ask you a question of how in the world did you survive that? How in the world did you manage that? How in the world did you come out of that? My response is you asking the wrong question because the world wrote me off. So it's not how in the world it's God in my world that has kept me. God in my world that has shielded me. God in my world that has saved me. God in my world that has brought me through. How in the world that I survived? It was God in my world. Jesus called her name. And she turned around. And then said, Rabbi, teacher. But Jesus does something 
that conflicted with me when I read this. He told Mary to stop holding on to him. Don't cling to me. Because I have not yet ascended. Jesus, I, I thought we were told to hold on to God's unchanging hand. I, we, we sing songs about it all the time in church, holding on to Jesus. And then it hit me in the past when Mary held on to him. He represented something different. He was a rabbi to her, her teacher. But he didn't represent the risen Lord yet. Her holding on and clinging on to him at this point was based on what she was familiar with. But after the resurrection, his risen lordship was revealed. And as a result, her response must change from someone she personally clinged to to someone she publicly proclaims. He said, don't cling on to me like in your past. Don't hold on to me like I'm just yours. But go and share me with other people. Because in you, I'm establishing the foundation of a private relationship that must go public. You just clinging on to me and not sharing me keeps your brothers and sisters in the dark believing that death has victory. You just clinging on to me and not sharing me keeps people thinking that the government has control over my presence. You clinging on to me and not sharing me validates your brothers and sisters fears and them not walking in boldness. Clinging on to me does nothing for them because Jesus is declaring that I'm private and I'm public. I'm yours and theirs. And too many times we cling to Christ and don't share him. How does God get the glory if you feel he's only in your custody? Don't hold on to God. Share him. Folk need to know that resurrection is possible. People need to know that injustice shall not have the final say. People need to know that victory can come from trauma. People need to know that my voice can be heard beyond the tomb. People need to know that they may put hands on you, but it's God's hands that will deliver you. Don't you keep Christ hostage. Your brothers need him. Your sisters need him. Your community needs him. Your society needs him. Your church needs him. Your homeless population needs him. Your gang member needs him. Your drug dealer needs him. Your drug addict needs him. Your prostitute needs him. Your pastor needs him. Your community needs him. He's yours and he's there. So here's the moral of the story. When your worship brings you to a grave, Rejoice because it's empty. Who killed your worship when Jesus is alive? If God is for me, who can be against me? I don't know where you are in your house or driving, but you ought to declare in your spirit that Jesus got up, which means you can stop giving your life and giving your worship a eulogy and start declaring a benediction.
There's a beautiful benediction found in the book of Jude chapter one that says now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. I, I wish the people in the house can just say amen. And, and stop declaring eulogies over your life. Stop speaking eulogies over your future. Stop speaking eulogies over your over your, your life. Stop speaking eulogy over your children's life, over your relationship. Start speaking power and life to your future. Who killed your worship? When Jesus is still alive. Is it depression? Is it the current state of our world socially and medically and economically? My prayer is today that God change your thoughts, change my thoughts from thinking that the world can kill something that can't die. Jesus is a testimony that death is a season and not an eternity. Don't allow your thoughts to think this world can kill something that is eternal. You can't kill something that can't die. You, you, you think you killed me, but you're still going to hear my name. Still going to see my effect in people's lives, still going to see resurrection, still going to see healing. They thought they killed Jesus. Yeah, yeah. The tomb doesn't have victory. Because Jesus conquered it. And so I want you I want you to do something on your week coming up. Take Jesus out of that tomb in your spirit. And place your sin in it, take your hope out of that tomb and put your struggles in it. Take your faith out of that tomb and put your brokenness in it. Take your lack of faith, your faith out of that tomb and, and, and your heart and your joy out of that tomb and put your dysfunctional past in it. I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus. That God has strengthened you with this message. That he draws you closer to him. And that even in the midst, in the midst of turmoil and pain. And things all over the place that has the ability to kill your worship. Your worship is not built on sunny days. Your worship is not built on comfort. Your worship is not built on just a smile on your face, but your worship is built on endurance, long suffering, understanding that things will happen in our lives. I'm praying that you understand that your worship is built to deal with storms, deal with the rain, deal with the sunshine, good and the bad. I'm praying that you're strengthened during this time that we're in mentally, spiritually, physically, that those who are struggling with what's going on right now. And I'm praying that you find the strength. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And I'm praying for those who have not established a relationship with God. That this is the time to do that, that God will shut down the entire world. Just to get you. There's a parable in the Bible. 
that Jesus, uh, he gave a parable for the person that had a hundred coins. He found 99 of them, but he left the 99 just to look for the one that was lost. And so I'm praying that you understand the diligence that God is desiring to chase after you. I'm praying that you're encouraged by this word, that you're strengthened by this word and that um, that you've grown a little bit from this word. God bless you. Uh, may heaven smile upon you. It is my prayer in Jesus name. We all pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm praying that this word has blessed you. Once again, we came to pump life. I'm praying that you were revived by the CPR experience. Conflict produces resolution. We want to pump life in you. And so I'm praying that we did that and that my job, that the job was accomplished. God bless you all. Have a wonderful and blessed rest of your day. Thank you for joining us.